This is Solidarity News on Radio Labour. This is a Radio Labour World Report recorded on Friday, April 16th, 2021. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, why the union lost the Amazon vote in the United States, how cities are taking back privatized public services, the Labour Start report about union events and rapping. Yo, I've been hearing a lot of trash talk about unions saying these ain't the friends to be choosing out for themselves, not for others. This is Radio Labour. In early April 2021, workers at an Amazon warehouse in Bessemer, Alabama in the United States voted against joining a union. The Retail, Wholesale and Department Store Union, the RWDSU, had high hopes that the workers would be able to withstand the powerful anti-union tactics of the company, but that was not to be. To find out more about anti-union strategies in the United States, I talked to Richard Bensinger. Mr. Bensinger is a former national organizing director of the AFL-CIO in the U.S. He currently helps unions with their organizing drives. I asked him to describe the sort of tactics companies use to stop their employees from unionizing. The goal of a corporation like Amazon is to prevent at any cost any cost, their workers from having a voice in the job, having a union and any power. In order to achieve that, they have a whole arsenal of weapons at Amazon and other employers. Employers typically threaten workers to try to get them to go their way, or if that doesn't work, they can promote people out of the bargaining unit. I remember a zillion years ago when I worked in my factory, I was offered a management job suddenly to get me out of the unit. And when that didn't work, they said, well, I'll be looking over. Is Mr. Bensinger, you'll be looking over your shoulder every day the rest of your life. And when I finally was fired, it took me six years to win my job back, long after the union election was over. So, you know, the same thing as this today. Um, you smear the union. You take people in one-on-one. But the main thing that Amazon did and employers do is they totally 100% under current laws, dominate the process. And the breath and the sort of 24-nature pressure campaign of putting stress and fright and intimidating people 24-7, that has a toll on people. And when the richest guy on earth, the overlord of society, Jeff Bezos, tells you he really doesn't want you to vote somewhere, that's just not somebody else's opinion. He makes it very clear through his fanaticism. Every second you're working in there leading up to the election, it's a domination of a process. It doesn't look like an election you would run in Canada, United States for a, you know, if you're running for the, you know, a political office, electoral office. There's, there's no equal time in these elections, and employer can simply dominate. They can run mandatory meetings, and they can fire union leaders. And even if you win your job back, like I was saying earlier, it could be months, years later that you get your job back. So it's a total control of the workplace that's certainly unprincipled, but that's what they do. There is legislation being considered in the U.S. Congress called the Protecting the Right to Organize Act, known as the PRO Act. Tell us about this proposed legislation. Well, the PRO Act is a sweeping labor law reform agenda that would, you know, give more power to workers that want to organize unions. What it is, it has a lot of provisions, but some of the most important ones are it would 
eliminate so-called right to work or right to work for less laws where where the union has to represent everybody, but not everyone has to be a member. It's just a design to weaken unions. It would impose much stricter penalties when employers do break the law and the right of private action by individuals to sue companies, much more stiff fines for firings and breaking U.S. labor law. It would abolish the right of a company like Amazon to have mandatory, what we call captive audience meetings, where they can force people to come in and listen. And even more effective are all the one-on-one meetings that Amazon does, where they just bend people's arm. They can be friendly. They can be threatening. You know, and all this is legal. The current, you know, their implicit threats are allowed under laws in both Canada and the United States. And so, but under the PRO Act, you wouldn't be allowed to have these meetings. And it would really create a more level playing field because there's no other election in society where one side can order people to come in. If you don't come to the meeting, they can fire you because you're refusing to come to the meeting. For years now, governments have been privatizing public services in vain attempts at saving money. But that may be changing. Seamary Ainsborough reports. As the pandemic continues to put pressure on governments to provide safe and secure public services, unions are pushing for a reversal of the privatization of many services. And there are indications that governments are paying attention. For example, many cities are remunicipalizing, or as it's called, insourcing, privatized water systems. The topic was discussed in a recent webinar. Daria Cibrario is the policy officer for local and regional government issues for Public Services International. The PSI is the Global Union Federation for Public Service Unions. The Public Futures Database, it is indeed a milestone also from the perspective of our organization, Public Services International, which for those who are not familiar with it, is the Global Trade Union Federation representing public service workers. We represent 700 workers' organizations, which bring the voice of 30 million women and men who daily deliver public services in 154 countries, including in the services and utilities, many of which you see on this database. So why are our workers and public service workers in particular and their trade unions so interested in public services uh, in sourcing? Well, for uh, many reasons. First of all, because working in public services is not just any job. It carries an ethos and a responsibility to the community. And it's been over 20 years that public service workers and their unions are denouncing the ravages socially and economically, but also environmentally of the marketization of services that have been privatized or uh, have undergone PPPs. But also because workers are the collective actor which is entrenched in the service which undergoes the transition from private to public and therefore is a key actor to take into account to ensure that uh, remunicipalization is successful. We're very pleased to continue to contribute uh, to this collective effort to change and shift the narrative and to showcase that remunicipalization and insourcing is not just a dream, but it is a viable, reliable and uh, possible policy option for any government, and especially at this very time of crisis. And this is what something I want to, to stress very much, because it, as a global union federation, if we look at what is happening in the rest of the world, 
the crisis has actually emboldened the demand to reclaim public services for the public and not for profit. It has actually created a convergence of demand among not only progressive social movement trade unions, but also local governments, local councils of all stripes, which find themselves in a real urgent situation, having to deliver essential, vital public services to communities and being defunded, not having enough powers, not having enough stuff, and actually having sometimes to cut stuff at the very moment where the services they can provide are actually life-saving. So why is this the time to reclaim collectively and work together even more on this database to bring out the message and to, to seek to influence very strongly organizations and decision makers who have not really paid attention for various reasons or have turned a blind eye to remunicipalization? Well, because lack of equitable public services kills it, people die when we don't have equitable access to health, to care and to housing especially in developing countries, but also in our developed countries. And all of a sudden, the pandemic has showed it. It is under everyone's eyes. If it was already unacceptable that lack of equitable access to public services creates inequality, injustice and exclusion, Today, this is no longer acceptable because the virus has created a thread of interdependency between the health and the conditions of those who are affected by the virus and those who can potentially be affected by the virus. Not only this situation, the lack of access to equitable public services is causing a meltdown of our economy and of our societies if we do not tackle it in a, in a, in a smart way by funding and by staffing um, correctly our life-saving public services. So this is why this is a time for us to come together and reclaim uh, services uh, to, for the people to live uh, a meaningful and dignified life. You can find more information about the PSI's campaign to insource privatized public services at publicservices.international. This is Seamary Ainsborough reporting for Radio Labour. Here with his report about union events is Labour Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Each day, Labour Start's volunteers collect hundreds of news items about the struggles of workers and their unions from around the world in 36 languages. Here's a small sample of their work. Our top stories section included links to coverage of the imprisonment of a Hong Kong trade union leader, the start of preparations for a national general strike in Zimbabwe, and the International Trade Union Confederation's report on the conditions of Palestinians working in Israel. One story that has had a long, perhaps too long, a life on our news pages are the repeated calls by trade unions for governments to stop using emergency powers that were claimed to be a response to COVID-19, but which instead are being used to undermine trade unions and roll back workers' rights. 
Examples just this week include Canadian provinces that continue to abrogate large portions of union collective agreements, the Malaysian government's state of emergency, and of course Brazil, where despite having a COVID denier as president, the government is using the pandemic to attack trade unions. Unions are, of course, pushing back. In Malaysia, for example, the labor movement is organizing workers outside its formal membership in support of demands that include not just an end to the state of emergency, but reforms to the country's anti-union labor laws. For our Working Women page, our volunteers found news about the Sri Lankan women migrant workers being detained in Saudi Arabia, a step towards domestic violence leave in Australia, and a study of the many small ways in which the New Zealand construction industry is made unwelcoming for women. The free health and safety newswire we offer in cooperation with Hazards magazine included stories detailing how workers in the United Kingdom who are employed in precarious and badly paid jobs are far more likely to die of COVID-19 than others. We also covered the signing of a safety accord between unions and employers in Ukraine and the arrest of 11 people accused of murdering an Afghan journalist. Our photo of the week is of Chan Myai Kai, who was murdered by the military during a protest against the recent coup in Myanmar. He was a leader of the youth wing of the Confederation of Trade Unions of Myanmar, and just one of hundreds of workers killed during the strikes and demonstrations organized by trade unions in support of a return to democracy. Current campaigns that we are running at the request of unions around the world include an urgent appeal for online solidarity, with workers in Pakistan who are facing a well-planned and concerted union-busting campaign by a transnational wholesaler. Look for details of this and other campaigns on our site. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. Now here is Luke Rodriguez with a new Solidarity Forever. Yo, I've been hearing a lot of trash talk about unions Saying these ain't the friends to be choosing Out for themselves, not for others You might have heard unions ain't good for your health, brother Well, let me spit it for you, got something to say It's because of unions, we gotta aid our workday This ain't no commercial break, my friend Unions are the peeps who brought you the weekend Probably never think about it, la di Unions fought hard for your right to party They're out there to ease your tension With decent wages, healthcare, and pensions Now it's like unions blame for bad weather But tell me what's wrong with solidarity forever I wanna shout it on high and get it off my chest The story here is fighting for those who have less So when unions are bad guys in the propaganda war Think what they've done, where they stand, who they fight for And that's it, international labor news you can use. You can find our features and daily newscasts at radiolabor.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radiolabor. I'm Mark Belanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity.